Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And you're tuned into Queering Out on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris and I'm joined with two guests, Yilin and Zenna. How are you both? Good. It's good to be here in the studio. Yeah, really well. Thanks so much for having us. No worries. Um, thanks to Insakadalia for the previous hour and just going to start with an acknowledgement of country. We're broadcasting over the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples uh, who are part of the Kulin Nations. I'd like to make, pay my respects to elders past, present and future and I'd like to acknowledge any Indigenous people tuning in. Colonisation and genocide are ongoing here across these lands known as Australia um, and... Yeah, this is, and, and this has been in the media, which doesn't often happen very much thanks to massive Invasion Day rallies yesterday organised by a lot of grassroots Indigenous activists across this country. Um, yeah, I was in a, I went to the one yesterday. I don't know if anyone else went to any of them. Mm, yeah, yeah, I was at the Melbourne one. Yeah, yeah so was I, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it was a really powerful big rally, biggest one I've been to. Um, yeah, really well done to organisers and no, and to people that may not have been there. Um, unfortunately, the cops sort of went hardline and tried to sort of, um, you know, show their force and and sort of um, stops the rally from having a good speaker system for most of it, unfortunately. Um, so that was one aspect of the rally. Another aspect was there was a petition circulated on um, the death and custody of Tanya Day, who um, was, a, was an Aboriginal woman who died in custody not very long ago, and there's a big campaign now to um, calling for justice for Tanya Day and abolition of public drunkenness laws. And I'll post a link to that petition that's just recently started circulating. And yeah, it's a really important campaign that needs to be amplified, hopefully, like successful. Um, yeah. And yeah, just thinking also about sort of the speeches, some really like so much great like oratory really um, at that rally. Um, yeah, I think um, Marie Marie made a speech that was really good. Talked about centering Indigenous sovereignty and everything. Otherwise, it's just rubbish and it's just the same colonial stuff. Um, did you? How other speeches you remembered? Yeah, I um, Gary Foley did a really wonderful speech at the end of the rally, um, which I found really striking. And and a lot of the thrust of his speech was about the obligation that we have as being migrants or descendants of settlers or invaders on the land is educating ourselves. And I think that that's a really really um. It's a really potent message because I think that day to day, a lot of people living in uh, an invasion society don't really know how to grapple with it in a useful way. And I think that that's a really tangible thing people can do in their everyday lives, like seek to educate and empower themselves with that knowledge and then use that information to inform and guide, you know, whatever action that they choose to take. So I really, um, yeah, I really enjoyed hearing uh, Gary Foley speak, as always. 
Mm. Mm. Unfortunately, um, because of where I was positioned in the rally, I was quite um, far at the back, so yeah. I couldn't mm. hear uh, the speeches very well. And then when the mics were taken away, that made it harder to know uh, what was happening. But then looking back at um, the footage through social media and then also walking through the crowd, I guess something that stood out for me was the different banners that were made. I thought that was really, it was really great this year. And um, particularly uh, the ones that were laid down at, at the Parliament steps start, um, one that said that um, it was an Aboriginal flag and it said, I'm not the problem. And then later on I saw that banner being posted around with um, young Aboriginal kids holding it and I thought that that was really great, um, as well as elders. So it's just great to see like how uh, different messages obviously resonate with different generations and that's a really powerful message. Yeah, that's a wonderful mm. one. I, I saw another banner, I think, that was also laid out at Parliament Steps um, that said, uh, we are the, I'm going to misquote it and I'm very sorry for that, um, we are the grandchildren of the um, ancestors that you, that you couldn't kill. Couldn't kill. Yes. 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 And I found great. that one like just so incredibly moving um, in terms of calling attention to the pathological violence that mm. has occurred and continues to occur, but also um, calling attention to the um, incredible uh, survival and ongoing survival of Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders across the country. So, yeah, that one moved me a lot. Mm. Mm. And definitely seeing, like, the presence of a lot of Aboriginal women and knowing that a lot of mm. Aboriginal women organised this rally and yeah. have previously as well, that was a really strong presence um, this year. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely, yeah. So many... Um Queer Aboriginal women are the key organisers of the rally here and doing so much important work there. Um, I think there was something I wanted to mention, but it has escaped my mind. Um, but if you just tuned in or listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au slash streaming. Um, and I'm in the, I'm Iris. I'm in the studio here with Yulian and Zenna. Um, and we're going to be talk. I'm we're going to be chatting later um, about Yulian's music and Red Pocket Press with Zenna. Um, that will be later in the show. So stay tuned. So just following on the, from this, the discussion before on um, Invasion Day, another thing we were we were that all that's. Um, that struck us was about solidarity in terms of um, those different contingents, um, those anti-colonial Asian contingent, um, a queer contingent, a Muslim contingent, a bunch of these contingents there, and it was really important. It was really good to see that, and that's what really needs to grow, I guess, yeah. Definitely, yeah. I think that uh, it was probably the biggest I've seen in terms of um, solidarity contingents out there. And I think later on I saw someone had passed their sign on to like, this older Asian man and he's slowly holding it. And so I thought that was really great. And I had a feeling that like, a lot of people... Because it's a Saturday, a lot of families are out and whatnot. And, um, and also because of the Australia Day parade earlier, I imagine a lot of tourists would have come out as well. So I think it's really powerful to have messages in other languages and to also physically be there and to have some representation. Absolutely. And I think that there's a kind of misconception out there that migrant communities in particular are 
more conservative mm. um, and which which certainly hasn't been the case in my experience um, and so it's really there was one sign that I was standing near um, that said uh, the year, the yellow peril support black power and I was like ah oh, yes and Perfect. it was it had a lion on it yes and it was beautiful yeah it was so beautiful and it was so nice to see I mean mm. yeah it, it's really I think it's really really important for migrants um, living on uh, invaded and stolen land to to acknowledge that and to show up in solidarity with um, indigenous communities who have shown us so much um, generosity yeah, and generosity um, for sure. and it's yeah I think that it's really really important to do so it was great to see that. Mm, yeah, and this is also reminding of me. There was a um, there was a panel that like the Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance put on earlier in the week, which was, I was also invited onto about. I was just talking about solidarity stuff, and yeah, how um, how like liberation is bounds with with people that not ne- not necessarily you have the same position as, but how it's bound together, and how um, there in a way. Through, through deliberation with the current system, how it's like bound up with a lot of people experiencing different oppressions and also privileges, like working out how to build something new and how to fight the current system, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And there's so many times that in uh, my queer activism um, or anti-racist activism or drug reform activism, I've learnt so much from other people um, going through uh, struggles that aren't necessarily parallel even, but but they have something um, in common. I've learnt so much from elders of other communities sharing with me uh, tips about how to be resilient or mm. how to um, maintain your strength or yep. uh, strategies and techniques for getting past uh, white straight gatekeepers. Yep. Um, it's, it's, I think it's that act of um, sharing our resources in that way is is so vital. Definitely, and I also think um, there's so much to learn about, like how to build community and also like connecting with culture, um, which I guess like my experience, a lot of people perhaps who've uh, who live in the diaspora um, kind of have this can may have this like kind of complex around culture and identity and roots and ancestry and. So I think there is also, yeah, a lot to learn from um, Aboriginal people here. Yeah, that's so true, mm. actually. I was um, I was really lucky to um, attend an Aboriginal cultural competency um, course recently run by Jim Kyle from the Kangan Institute, who is mm. the most just incredible, um, like knowledgeable, wonderful um, teacher. And and he spoke a lot about, uh, about ways that... Um, he and other Aboriginal people have thought about being mixed race. Mm. And um, and he just put it in a language that I, as a mixed race um, child of migrants, had never heard before. And it just, it really helped me, it really gave me lots of tools to think about my heritage mm. and my place um, in, in the many different cultures that I participate in. So I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that we are able to share that sort of uh, knowledge with each other. Do you remember what he said? I'm kind of curious like, what he said exactly. So, so um, one of the exercises that he did, and so this is very much for a kind of a, a very mixed professional audience, and he's, yeah, he's fantastic. But one of the, um, one of the um, 
exercises that he did was take out a cup of um, black coffee and a cup of milk mm. and um, and pour the milk into the black coffee and demonstrate that no matter how light it is, it's still coffee. No matter mm. how much milk you've got in it, oh. it's <laughs> still a cup of coffee yeah. and um, it doesn't make it any less coffee even if it's really milky. And I was, I oh, loved that. It was such that's a like good. elementary thing. I was like, oh, that's true. <laughs> you know, and, and the idea that you can participate in your culture um, through so many different means. It doesn't have to be mm. through um, through uh, speaking the language. I don't speak the language yeah. of my mother. Um, and and there are just so many different ways that don't necessarily have to involve you passing as that culture. And also just it was, it was um, interesting to hear him talk about being not necessarily being recognised as Aboriginal um, and how that can be a, and acknowledging the pain of that experience. Mm. Um, and, and that certainly has been a painful experience for me as a mixed race Asian person. Um, and also put my pain into perspective as well, because I feel a lot of, um, I feel a lot of pain. I feel like I spend 90% of my time trying to chase down like some authentic culture that I'm part mm. of, which doesn't really exist. You know, yeah. my, my mother come from Malaysia, her parents came from China, like my mm. dad's a migrant as well, you know, and it's so it's just like it's it's very it's very complex. Um, but I think but and I found that really, really difficult and putting that um, and putting that disconnect that I feel with my culture into perspective with the disconnect that many indigenous people feel with their culture that was systemically erased mm. and also um, the ongoing uh, stolen generations as well, really, I found was this sort of massive shift in how I appreciated and acknowledged the pain of Indigenous people and mm-hmm. how I reckoned with my own pain as well. So, yeah, could not be more grateful to be learning about that. Mm. That I put very, very, um, I put very inarticulately. So uh, everybody should go find Jim Kyle from Kangan Institute and get him to teach you about that stuff because it's incredible. Mm. Yeah, check that out. Um and I just tuned in. You're tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au slash streaming. I'm Iris here with Yulin and Zenna in the studio. So we're going to get on to talking about Yulin's music particularly, but also many other things. Um, Yulin is a musician and writer working on Wurundjeri land, subverting traditional folk forms her lyrically driven songs dissect themes of femininity, queerness and family over intricate guitar and vocal arrangements. In early 2019, she she debuted two singles, Collapse and The Search Continues. Her music has has already been featured on Triple J's Unearthed podcast and Home and Hosed with Unearthed musical director Dave Ruby Howe describing Collapse as altogether gorgeous. Yulian's debut album, Spit Into Somebody's Mouth, will be, will be released later this year. Wow, I'm pretty accomplished. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> How long have you been into music? Um, my whole life, basically. So I, I've only, um, well, no, I, I started playing music really, really young in classic kind of... Um, Middle class Asian Australian diasporic fashion. Mm. Um, yep. So learning like, all the instruments. Yeah, yeah. So I started learning piano when I was five or six, maybe, and um, and flute when I was eight. And so I played those pretty um, 
ferociously as a as a child and teenager and so um, really thought that throughout high school I was going to go on to either become a um, a professional flautist or a um, classical composer. I kind of, I really wanted to be a conductor for a little while, but I really don't have the upper body strength to sustain oh, all of that movement. Really? It's really, that. it's like boxing. It's really Whoa. athletic and I am not an athletic person. So <laughs> conducting mm, passed me by. Maybe I could be a conductor. Right? <laughs> I, boxing. I reckon, I reckon everybody, I think to have that much control over that many people would yeah, be addictive right. for me. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's better that I didn't become a conductor. Um, and then I kind of, uh, I kind of burned out by the time I finished high school. Um, in uh, in sort of uh, again classic uh, Asian Australian diasporic fashion, um, and uh, and and sort of put music away for a while. And um, during that time, or during my teen years, though, I was always really into um, punk and goth and new wave music. And so I, I kept up an interest as a listener, but sort of put performing to the side quite a bit for many many years. Mm. Um, and but started learning guitar just as a thing to do by myself Mm -hmm. because flute is a very loud instrument. You can't really play it in Mm. share houses. Mm. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a very loud instrument. Guitar is much, much softer instrument. It seemed also much cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It occurred to me as a 20, 21 year old that maybe guitar would be a cooler instrument to learn. Um, yeah, so I've I've been playing guitar basically just with um with a single mentor for the last ten years, just about, and um and then uh, last year or so, I thought maybe I should start uh, share music with people. That seemed like a thing to do after record. I, I spent the last couple of years recording an album, and then I had to think about what I was going to do with it, mm. which is very stressful and scary, and um. And was doing a little bit of teaching and was um, constantly being uh, teased by my teenage students about why I didn't perform and what was the what was the matter with me and how can I encourage them to perform if I wasn't doing it. <laughs> so um, so that put me to pressure. Right. Yeah, youth peer <laughs> pressure. It really works. The kids are today they know how to do it and it really yeah I'll crumble instantly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of teachers that. Um, well, in, like in terms of this, they have something they really love and they get into teaching and it becomes quite time consuming. It might be a writer, but they don't really have much time for writing anymore when yeah. they're teaching. Um, you found a lot of time to learn guitar and do all these things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't have heaps of friends for <laughs> my early twenties. I had, I mean, I... Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of squirreled away time. Also, I'm really um, I'm bad at any sort of mindful practice, so I practice a lot while watching TV, which is, I'm sure, very bad for my brain and bad for my guitar skills. Um, but I had a similar experience as well. So sort of side by side while that was happening um, over my 20s, I was a journalist for a while and then moved into consulting and communications and blah, 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 but was doing a lot of professional mm. writing and no creative writing. So, um, so writing songs became a good outlet to exercise my brain in that way so I wasn't just writing um yeah news stories yeah so yeah I wanted to ask you about the relationship between music and writing um for you so it's a kind of sort of a creative relationship yeah it's really um it is it's a creative relationship it's a really um it's really work driven relationship for me I don't 
I very rarely feel like I have some sort of emotion that I need to get out and I can only get it out through writing a song. I really, um, for me, it's a really, it's, it's sort of like a trade in the way that I feel like I have to maintain that skill. Um, and so I really want to be exercising that all the time. And it, and I take writing music um, very seriously maybe because I was sort of um, raised in the classical um, tradition Mm. and and, um, trained classically to compose Mm. Um, and also because as a journalist you you learn to write in a very rigorous way if hopefully if you have good editors um, Mm. you you learn to write in a really um, uh, in a very um, exacting kind of fashion so yeah I take I take the practice of it very um, very seriously and I'm constant like the only reason I do it is because I like doing the work of it I'm not really um mm. yeah I'm, I'm not really somebody's like drowning in emotion all the time actually no my partner would totally disagree <laughs> she'd say that I was very melodramatic and absolutely always like, swanning around the house like sobbing and like but um which is true too um but uh, yeah the work of it is very very important to me Mm, so when you say the word, mm. do you mean like you have like a routine of how you practice? Or? Yeah, oh, okay. I have a re- mm. I have a really um like I have my little setup which is very important to me. Yeah. Got a nice big desk and I have my guitar set up. I have a you know I have a working document on my phone. I have a series of different notebooks mm. and um and like manuscript books to write. I write like the most um well my my um my teacher and producer Neil Kelly always says that they're very idiosyncratic scores in that like nobody could ever read them and find out what I was trying to talk oh, yeah, about because I have this sort of heart you know semi um semi kind of like uh chord charty scrawly child's way of writing things and then like <laughs> melded with like some attempt at writing in like a classical mm. musical fashion at the same time oh, wow. um yeah, but I have a very uh, a very uh, systematic approach. So I think actually it's an expression of my like anal retentive side, which I don't <laughs> exercise very very often. Normally I'm totally a scattered like intuitive person, but um, music is the one place where I get to like really yeah, sit down and chart it out. Cool. Yeah. So um, classical music and other things sort of influence your idiosyncratic approach. What other things influence your music? Do you think? Um. Uh, well, I think that um, other other musicians certainly, um, certainly I think that there's a big emulation part of it. You know, like you kind of aim to do something that someone you admire is doing. You fall short but kind of also fall into your own pocket in that way, which is nice. Yeah, I feel like there's – I've heard – different people say you, there's like kind of copy the structure and then you'll find your own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after a while you kind of notice what it is that makes it your own and you lean into it a little bit more. Um, I – what else ins- inspires – I mean, well, I guess what else influences it? Um, in terms of writing styles, I, I'm really into kind of um, very – like horror-y themes, which I think I'm, I'm like a very easily scared person. I don't watch horror movies. I'm very squeamish, um, but mm. I'm very um, I'm very interested in sort of um, the aesthetics of horror. I guess growing up as like a little teenage goth, being really into that kind of like blend gore stuff. Like I like gross physical bodily <laughs> things as well. So I think that that mm. plays into the lyrical content a lot. Like some of them are really gross did you like playing yeah. with like that squishy green ooze yeah it's like <laughs> gack and stuff I got in a lot of trouble from getting gack all over the carpet as a kid like I definitely was yeah Is I that was what it's called 
Well, oh, well that was what yeah. we had that we had yeah it was really gross, gross and, and like you could stretch stretchy. it yep <laughs> and it smelled really yeah, weird and like nothing else on earth smelled like that <laughs> yeah i'm into i'm into that kind of um like physical visceral stuff i guess mm, yeah some of your lyrics slob it over rock people um, really good yeah good riddance to paradise i can mm. see that 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 influence that you're talking about there um yeah um mm. yeah i definitely that that song in particular collapse i wrote after um after going overseas and um spending a lot of time among nature and getting really really furious and stressed about how um how our world declining um purely from our own efforts you know and um and about climate change and about um the extraordinary arrogance of uh of us as a society and of and of the um men who are in charge of mm. our society as well and how frustrating that is so i kind of wanted to write a a farewell ballad um to the earth from the perspective of um of a guy in a suit who um doesn't really care about anything in it Mm. Is there a song you'd like to play for us? Sure. Um, and sure. you can give an intro to the song if you'd like. Yeah, okay. Um, this is a song called The Search Continues. So this is um, the other single that I released earlier this year along with Collapse. And it is... Um, I don't really have that much of an intro for this one. It's really... My mum asked me what it was about the other day and it was really <laughs> stressful having to talk to my mum about it. Um, I also... My mum also asked me to send her all the lyrics, which was maybe the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, wow. And now I get, like, all every time I see her, she's like, what, is this, what does this say? <laughs> auntie so-and-so which from auntie? down the road yeah. says that this is what it's about. Is that true? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I'll just, like, I'll just give it a play and um, I won't go too far into it. Again, I'll turn it 
past like it's a friend what a glorious descent so much my pleasure thank you so much um yeah i definitely want to play more of that on air yeah well great um i will happily come into the studio <laughs> anytime yeah 
It was so mm. beautiful to hear live as well. Like, I, yeah, that's the first time that I heard you. And I'm really excited for you to play later on at, obviously, at um, Queer Lunar New Year party. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. I'm very excited yes. for that too. It's going to be so exciting. Um, and I think let's talk about Red Pocket Press now. Um, mm. And if, but just for anyone that's just tuned in, you're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm Iris, joined in the studio of Yilin and Zenan. Um, and Red Pocket Press is... You're the resident musician, Yilin, and... <laughs> yes, yes, the musician. The musician. The musician. I, know, I really love um, that Senya called me the resident musician. It makes me feel very special. <laughs> well, that's the aim to make people feel special, yeah. but also like, I thought mm. it would be really um, great just to have like, oh, mostly like you featuring as the the artist, like the musician, and um, yeah, to support you as well and your emerging Aww. music career. I appreciate it so very much. I'm really excited. <laughs> Mm, so a bit more about Red Pocket <coughs> Press. Red Pocket Press is launching their first zine and celebrating with a banquet of music, food and art. Um, there's an event coming up celebrating the Year of the Pig. Red Pocket Press will be launching their Queer, U- queer Lunar New Year zine and celebrating queer Asian artists. All profits of the zine and event will go to Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance War, specifically to support their queer initiative addressing... Aboriginal youth suicide, um, and the yes in February, um, 16th? February sixteenth, yep. and everyone has you want everyone to register on Eventbrite. I think there's a link on the Facebook. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, the the party itself will be held in Footscray. I thought that there wasn't a more appropriate place to hold this kind of party. Um, and uh, everything that uh, has gone into organising this event has um, yeah been really well thought out. Um, something that I've been thinking about for a number of years, ever since I first did a show with you. Um, oh wow! On clearing the air, and uh, many years ago when we did a a Lunar New Year special to the Year of the Monkey. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Back in the Year wow. of the Monkey. That's right. Back yeah. in the Year of the Monkey, wow. 2016. that was a really great – that was yeah. such a special effort, actually. I loved doing that episode. Yeah, that was lots of fun. And since then, it really got me thinking about, um, yeah, Queer Lunar New Year and uh, the kind of specialness around it. And we both really love Lunar New Year as a celebration. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and also I'd – I'd heard about uh, other queer Asians communities um, in different parts of the world kind of holding queer Lunar New Year parties. Um, mm. So I thought that I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I wanted to organize something that I thought would fit to, I guess, creatively, like what I was envisioning this party to be. So I kind of thought, oh, I really want to do a zine, but I also want to do a party, dance party. I also want to have food there. I want to do all these things. And I don't know with you, but it was like sometimes when I'm doing something creative, I'll just like let myself dream as big mm, as I can. Yeah. And then I get people to bounce ideas off me and see what's actually realistic and in capacity. Mm. So, um, so yeah, what it is, is um, it's a mix of things, but it's like definitely the zine is the main focus of it. Um, so I did a call out uh, and about October last year. And um, I had I did it mostly on social media, and then I also contacted a few people um, 
and that was really great because uh, reach was quite far with social media, which is really cool. And um, so we've got contributors from um, Massachusetts, New York, uh, Seattle. We've got from Melbourne and from Sydney. Cool. So it's mm. really great. Um, we've got 10 contributors. Um, which I think is a really good number to start with. And a few of them have um, submitted a few entries and Yilin has submitted an entry too. Um, so there's a mix of poetry, prose, um, there's photography, visual art. So, um, And I just sent it off to the printers on Friday. So it's wow. super exciting. It's going to be printed on um, 100% post-consumer waste, uh, recycled paper, which I think is really good. Um, and it'll be full colour as well which is also really great <laughs> um, very important for the lunar new year it has to be full color definitely it has to be all color yeah lots of colors um yeah and the profits as mentioned um by iris will go to warriors of aboriginal resistance and um that particular project was picked out by a member of um war so so yeah mm, cool um um is that project a new one that's being or is it ongoing? Um, it's new. So it's under a project called... So the Queer Lunar New Year Party is under a project that I started called Red Pocket Press, um, which is all about celebrating Lunar New Year through food, um, parties and zines. And maybe that will change later on. I'm um, The way I like to work things out is just to kind of trial it and see how it goes. And then I'm like, oh, maybe next year we'll do something different. Like maybe next year we'll hold it at a yumta place and it'll be like um, a banquet and we all eat food and like maybe Mm. there'll be art involved in that or live music or karaoke or who knows. I'm really open to all those things. And uh, yeah, I am always open to hearing suggestions from what people want. And so I think this will be a good way to test out oh, what people like most about the night like is it the food is it um the live music or is it the poetry do they want more like visual mm-hmm. art so um yeah i'm really leaving that open to see what happens yeah so on um for the event you'll also you also have a writer in residence and a number of um people doing other things Yes. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So um, uh, the writer we have in residence is Hong Tran, and he submitted a piece to the zine. Um, it's a really gorgeous piece about um, cousinhood. And so um, he'll be reading that piece at the event. And um, I have a few others that I haven't announced yet, but we also have a poet in residence, um, Panda, who didn't submit to the zine, but will be performing there. Um, and then we also have um, a writer, another writer in residence, uh, Sana Wei, um, who um, is based here, previously lived in Canberra, and um, is also, I, I guess, a fairly emerging writer, you could say. Um, and then we also have a DJ in residence, um, Bibi Bangas. Um, and a lot of the acts that are performing at the event are, I guess, are not super established like and that was something that I thought about when selecting people um, I wanted to select people who weren't as well known and I thought that uh, it would be really great to um, yeah to get them to perform at this event if they wanted to and a lot of them have generous, generously donated their time to play at the event um, given the nature of it being a fundraiser mm, awesome um, what so you're in your did you edit the pieces or did you, was it like a collaboration mm. with different people um, in terms of you put out a call out asking for contributions? 
Um, what was your relationship like with the people who contributed in terms of? Yeah, um, I'm really glad that it wasn't, uh, they weren't all people that I knew. Like there were some that I knew mm. um, and some whose work I'd actually never, I knew, but I'd, I'd never read their work before. Um, so that was a, a new process for me. Um, and there were lots of probably maybe about half uh, I hadn't uh, ever met them or heard of them before, but they'd found out about the project, which I thought was really cool. And um, yeah, so the power of social media and um, just, you know, people spreading the word about this project. Yeah. Um, so that was really great. And in terms of editing the work, um, my process is like because it's a zine and because I like the DIY nature of a zine mm. um, I didn't do too much editing it was just more like if anything uh, uh, was too long or um, it was more like deciding oh if, if this piece is too long to fit into the zine or if this piece works best like there was someone actually who submitted a couple of things and one of them was a queer love story wow. I really really wanted to include it but it was I think it was like over 2,000 words and um, mm. and I was like oh would you be willing to include just a snippet of it it hadn't been published anywhere else mm. um, but this person also submitted poetry and um, in the end they decided that they didn't want to submit a snippet of it they wanted to submit poetry instead so I gave people that option um, yeah, so, and I, I asked people to write to the theme or to close enough to the theme. And often it would be a, dis some of them, it would be a discussion about, oh, would this fit or wouldn't it fit? And um, yeah, so, so what we have in the zine is like, oh, there's this really one beautiful like set of photography um, by mm. uh, a queer Vietnamese artist um, named Tan Nhu Mai. And um, they've submitted, uh, I guess a collection of photos of um, when they went to visit uh, their hometown Saigon in Vietnam and uh, they went out to a karaoke bar with friends and um, there's lots of moments where these people are like singing karaoke and they're having this really intimate bond through music and um, yeah and so karaoke for them always reminds them of like uh, Lunar New Year and that kind of celebration and yeah and it's yeah the the photos are really beautiful so I'm really excited for everyone to see that um, and then we also have like um, visual art on um, you know the ideas around uh, women and like uh, strong women in your community so there's um, a lot of different pieces in there that I think cover um, a lot of different aspects of Lunar New Year. Mm. You've also um, written and performed a lot of poetry. Will that be a feature? <laughs> yeah, I, I did submit some. Uh, I did submit some of my own poetry. I wrote a new piece for it, um, and yeah, it's uh, something that uh, I might read at the zine launch. Um, uh, but it's about it's called Ngueb Oi, and it's uh, translated. It's called Beautiful Person or Dear Beautiful Person, and it's about. Um, uh, I guess it's about a lot of different people, but I kind of uh, shaped the story around three particular different kinds of beautiful relationships in my life. So that will be featured in the zine. And it also includes like aspects of dealing with um, homophobia in my family and from um, aunties or uncles or um, grandmothers. So, And that kind of relationship that... Uh, 
is a struggle in a way but then also it's like something that you work through over time and who do you have to support you when you go through stuff like that with your own family and so um yeah my piece kind of touches on bits of that Mm, awesome Mm. um looks like it's going to be an amazing community building event yeah i'm nervous (laughs) about who's gonna rock up um but i'm also really excited and i hope that um yeah, I'm just really keen to see who else uh, and meet others who uh, love Lunar New Year just as much as I do and to kind of have this special event. And um, it was really interesting because when I, I was flyering around Footscray for Lunar New Year Festival there and it was interesting to s- bring like big community with like subculture community. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so that was that was something. And also Year of the Pig is... Uh, I'm sh- maybe you know um, that it's uh, the last animal of the zodiac cycle. Mm. So I feel like there's a lot of different interpretations I'm trying to think of for what's ahead. But um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So. Mm. What's your astrolog- astrological feelings about this time uh, of year? Year of the Pig reminds me of like, my grandma's a pig. <laughs> she, um, someone who brings or like the idea of bringing people together, um, mm. family, wealth um enjoying yourself food lots of good food um yeah i guess those are the positive connotations there's also negative connotations (laughs) what about you what do you think um you know to be honest i'm not particularly well versed in um in lunar zodiac but um i do love pigs and i have a a pig (laughs) tattoo and it's the first tattoo i ever got i have a giant pig on my side um and i got it uh you know 11 or so years ago um as a sort of reminder that that um that excess and enjoying life Mm. and feasting on life is a really positive thing and that and because they're like the cleverest and nicest animals as well and that no matter what you look like um you can you can live a kind of like decadent indulgent life and still be the the cleverest and the and the best and um and so I'm very much looking forward to the lunar new year so for me the year of the pig I think is going to be all about um about feasting on life and enjoying um the love of your family and your culture Mm. as well Beautiful. Awesome. Um, unfortunately, we've reached the end of our show today and querying the air. Um, that uh, We have to give a, sh- a shout out again to Red Pocket Press, the Queer Lunar New Year party on the 16th of February at the Night Heron. Um, tickets at Eventbrite. We've linked to that on our Facebook. And you can find Red Pocket Press by searching for Red Pocket Press in Google and also queer lunar new year party too and elian has a few gigs coming up i think oh uh, yes theoretically yes theoretically. <laughs> uh, yeah so um, i'll be very excitedly playing um the uh queer lunar new year event and um i'll also be playing at the post office hotel in coburg i believe on the um 24th of february uh for a sunday afternoon gig cool. which should be really nice come down for a palmer and to some music um but if you want to find out more um my band camp is yilin uh yi hyphen l y double n dot bandcamp dot com or i'm on all of the things at jesse yilin so j e s i e y i l y double n yeah, on the social... I made a Facebook today, you guys. I'm really yeah. proud of myself nice. because I hate Facebook. But, um, yeah, so you can find me on there. Awesome. Excellent. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.